encourage you to open it and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We are, as a church, uh, for a number of weeks now going through the whole armor of God found in Ephesians chapter 6. And so we're going to look this morning at the sword of the Spirit, but we're going to read starting at verse 10 of chapter 6 through verse 17 for context. Finally, brothers, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm. Stand therefore. Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we pray together as a people, knowing that You have much for us in Your Word. And it is no small thing to handle Your Word. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that You would do a work and that You would till the ground of our hearts. That You would cause growth in some. That You would cast seed in others. And that You would cause sprout in many. God, we, we pray and we ask You for boldness. Lord, we ask You for encouragement in this Word. And we ask You that our love for You would grow more and more as we consider these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the opening scene of 2001's World War II film, Enemy at the Gates, the audience is met with the horrors of soldiers being ill-equipped for battle. Depicting the defense of Stalingrad by the Red Army, the film follows a new Russian soldier, Vasily Saitsev, who is dropped into the active combat of the battlefield. And he's dropped there with no rifle. The film depicts a rare scenario where shortages would cause soldiers to be sent into the battle in pairs. One would receive a rifle, the other would receive cartridges or ammunition. The idea was simple. When the man with the rifle dies, you pick it up and you, go and you press forward. Now if this seems outlandish, I did a little bit more work, not much, but I did come across an actual account not depicted in a film of such a scenario. In fact, in 1941, this report reads, I report that in, Odessa Rif in the Odessa Rifle Division, there were cases when newly conscripted troops arrived with rifles but without ammo and sometimes without even both. I also report that today, my investigator found this. On August 31st, new refresh a new refreshment of troops arrived to the 2nd Rifle Regiment with rifles but without ammo 
and without ammo belts. All 140 soldiers were sent to the front lines. And en route, the political officers of that company had to beg their colleagues for some ammo. And being able to obtain one ammo box, they immediately distributed it to the soldiers. I can't imagine that. This morning, I fear that some of us, maybe even many of us, feel like we've been placed into the battlefield with nothing more than empty hands and empty rifles. We have seen the enemy's weapons up close. We have felt the scolding of the, of the heat. And as a result, we've become paralyzed by Paul's reminder to us in the passage where he says, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and the cosmic powers over the present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I don't know about you, but that brings anxiety to my mind. And it can feel when you see the enemy and you look on the battlefield and you know what life brings, you don't feel equipped. But our passage shows us we are equipped. It shows us we are very well equipped. We are not a people of empty rifles or empty hands. We are a people who have been given a significant weapon. That is a weapon to use against the evil one. This is no run-of-the-mill stage prop. It is a device so incredible and effective because God Himself over time through history has forged it for you and for I. A tool so effective when picked up and used, it both dismembers the enemy and builds up the one who holds it. He has given us the sword of the Spirit. That is the Word of God. Today, we must remember, church, we must remember that we are well equipped. And when temptation presses in from ourselves or from the evil one, we must take the Word of God and strike it hard. We have been given the Word of God to strike against the devil and temptation. And I would say in three primary ways we will look at this morning. The first is when we take the Word, we know that we can strike against the evil one in temptation by knowing God's unchanging character. By knowing God's unchanging character. We may not think of it at first, but one of the most profound realities of reading the Bible is seeing God's attributes displayed cover to cover. Undoubtedly, it's not as simple or easy to catch, but I assure you, it is there. It is in the well-worn pages that we visit often as well in the pages that are fresh and clean that we barely touch. It is there. It is all over. From start to finish, He has used the Scripture as a means of cataloging who He is. What He is like. It's funny because I, as a student, maybe and maybe this is something that young people do, I don't know. But I remember being college age, high school, where you have that friend that's just like, I just don't know, or I'm not sure how I feel about God or whether He's real or not. And you always hear some version of, if, it would just be so much easier if you just wrote in the sky, Hi, I'm God. Like that would be the solution. Or uh, if that would somehow fix or loosen the rust and bolt, rusted bolts of our unbelief. And that's simply not the case. When we look at the Scripture, this is essentially what He has done. Over all time, He has recorded and given us a giant note 
A recording of interactions through people through all history saying, Hi, I'm God. This is what He has done. This is the very thing we have. And He has been working for thousands of years through author after author after author in different forms of literature and different voices and different kinds of people in different parts of the world under different circumstances, always working to show us who He is. This is what we have in the Scripture. The sword. Thousands of years of recording. All for our benefits. How removed we are from the days when these things happen, and yet they are for our benefits. And when we look at these pages, we see that God is not distant. He is not someone who just created all things in like a as-seen-on-TV rotisserie, just set it and forget it, and whatever goes on, goes on. No, He is in our lives. He is in and working through us in the small and in the big. Everything, everything shaping and showing us His purposes and all of this recorded in Scripture. He has given us all of this and it is a massive display of His love and kindness to us. Us, who so simple, need to be able to read and hear and see the kinds of things that the Lord has done in all time. That's kindness. That's grace. That He would come to us and He would give us something that we can understand, that we can hold, that we can relate to, and we can read about people who are just like us and we can see His awesome and constant love and kindness and consistency through all time. Displayed on page after page after page. And you can even look at that and know, I wonder if He would be like that to a dummy like Jacob. Will He be that way to me? Would He be patient with me when I'm constantly trying to shoehorn the things that I want into life? Would He be careful and and honest with me and keep His promises like He did with Abraham when I try to make things happen, whether it's His way or mine? He is. And this is what we have in the Scripture. We have a massive documentation for us to use to take and to pick up and to wield and to strike temptation. Because we know who He is and we know His character. How in Genesis He speaks and worlds come from nothing showing His power and His might and His creativity. How when sin corrupted His creation, He aimed to set it right, telling us His plan to reconcile all things to Himself. How to Abraham He promised to establish a people who would be a light to the nations, demonstrating His love for the whole world, for all of history. How in Exodus He rescued the people out of wickedness and slavery and made a covenant with them, calling them His own, showing He did not forget His promises to Abraham. Hundreds of years before that. After rescuing His people from Egypt and the Red Sea, He endured their unbelief and continued caring for them. Telling us his, showing us His constant and unslowed faithfulness in spite of unbelief. How in the book of Numbers, He put His faithfulness on display time and time and time and time again when the people were rescued from their enemies and they got themselves in stupid, idiotic situations. 
Been there. Proving He goes before His people and makes a path for them. How in Joshua, He kept His Word and delivered a people into a land that they did not preserve themselves. How He gave them homes they did not build. Water to drink from wells they did not dig. Illustrating that He is the good giver of gifts and our provider for all of our needs. How in their complacency and disobedience, the people during the time of Judges, God suffered them and He did not abandon them but brought them to repentance over and over again. And He showed them that when His people had given up, He was there patiently waiting for them to relent. How in the days of Samuel, He endured their scorn when they asked for a king, showing us all that the true king is slow to anger. How in 2 Samuel, when we see God's promises to raise up a king that would not fail and who would reign forever in righteousness, that it points us to the eternal purposes and commitment of God Himself to restore all of creation. How in the Psalms of David, we see He raised the humble and sets them up over the people, revealing His kindness and goodness to those who know their need and find rest in God alone. Again, in the Psalms, we see how He embraced the wicked when they turned away from their sin, showing His love for us is all the same and, desi- and that He desires to see us made right. How He sent over and over again the prophets to call the kings, to call the people back to faithfulness, always pleading with them to turn back, demonstrating His patience and endurance with disobedient people providing them every opportunity to return and repent. And in Jeremiah and Ezekiel specifically, when the judgment is coming down on the people after he he had endured enough, he does not leave them in their destruction. But he gives a promise. He gives a promise not to abandon his people in their disobedience, but to give them a heart, a new heart, that would love and follow God, providing that God, providing that God would do anything it takes to make sure His people are with Him. Anything. How in the book of Daniel and in Esther, He, pre- he preserves His people while in exile. Demonstrating His faithfulness and kindness even in a foreign land. Reminding His people, and they needed to know this, He reigns supreme even in the midst of bondage. How in Nehemiah and Ezra, when generations had passed, he did not forget his people. And he brought them back to the land. Reminding us all that the Lord God is faithful. He will keep his word. And if that is not enough, brothers and sisters, we look how God speaks of himself in Exodus. In Exodus 34, God Himself says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. He will forgive your sin, but He will be just. Folks, all of this, we can know plenty 
about God. It's all over the text, but more certainly, we can know what He is like. And this is the one, one of the most primary ways in which when you read your Bible, when you live in your Bible, you can take hold knowing this is how the Lord is and this temptation is baloney. Because God is good and He would not abandon me. You can know He is faithful. And so if He told you He will do it, He will do it. You can look when the trials come in and know this is not an indicator of God's goodness. This is not telling me what God is like. The Bible tells us what the God is like. And so folks, that is one way we strike the enemy. When you feel the coldness of perceived distance from God, look to His Word and be reminded He's always there. When you sense the overwhelming weight of bad news, and many of us this week have received bad news, search the Word and find find time after time how God uses the most horrific difficulties to bring people genuine comfort and peace. You could take that to the bank, folks, every day. Every day. Find how He restored David's soul when his sin, his sin, hurt those that he loved. See how Ruth, during the, her own tragedy, when she should have been left and discarded like the trash, and the rest of the culture would have done just that, the Lord saw that she was cared for and provided for under the least expected circumstances. That's how He is. That's how He treats His people. Look and see how when the time came, And in Babylon, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood and were faithful to the Lord, and the furnace was where they were headed, He did not let them stand alone. This is how the Lord is with His people. This is how we fight temptation. We look and we see that when temptation creeps in, we strike it with might, knowing the character of God displayed in His Word. Secondly, Another way that we strike at our temptation attack from the evil one is by remembering God's promises to His people. When we look in the Scripture, we know, some of us, many of us, if you've spent time in the Scripture, you know there are many promises that we receive from the Lord. But if we do not know His character, these things can feel wobbly at best. And so knowing... Knowing who He is, establishing and understanding who God is and what His character is like, we can look to His promises and we can confidently understand and believe and proceed into life understanding He will not let His promises wash away. He will uphold everyone. And you need that. And this is how you fight with the promises. We resist the despair of sin knowing that He has promised a seed that would come from the woman that would destroy and crush the head of the serpent. That's one you can take. We stand firm in the midst of political unrest, governmental failures, crashing or booming economies, victorious elections or disappointing leaders, knowing that He has promised one from the line of David. One who would come and have a throne established forever and would rule in righteousness and justice. That's one that will help you when CNN's not looking so hot. 
We can shed the weight of grief. The weight of grief that many of us are carrying this morning. Knowing He has promised and He will not change His mind that the Son is a priest forever. Knowing He will always intercede for us. He will always be there to make sure your sins and my sins are never counted against us. And He Himself will rule against the accusations of the evil one being our priest forever. We can hope in the presence of our failures when we really mess up the things we really blow up, the things that are our fault. We can rest and have hope in the presence of those things knowing that He who began a good work will bring it to completion. If you're like me, you need that. You need to know that when you face your own failures over and over and over again, and despair is there, and you go, yep, that's the right response. You need to know that Christ who is doing a work in you will not walk off the job. Let me tell you what that means. Because of the promise in the Scripture that He will complete it, it means that we will not be jealous of one another. It means that we will not work our butts off. Sorry about the language. We will not work ourselves to the bone to try to impress each other. We will not chase after accolades to build ourselves up. We will not secretly desire sin when we know we shouldn't. All of these things and many, many, many more will be accomplished in our lives because of the work of Christ. It's yours. It's a promise. And that is how you fight that temptation. Knowing the promises. Knowing that in the heat of destruction, that one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When the rubble seems like it doesn't want to stop falling, that one helps. We can reject the temptation to feel abandoned by looking at Romans 8 and taking hold of the promise that we have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters and that we have been made heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And when we feel the limitations of our bodies and our days appear to be closing in, we can be certain that one day we will be raised along with Christ and be made in His image perfectly. All of these and countless more are stacked high for us to take and to resist the schemes of the evil one. You see, the devil wants us to feel despair. To accept defeat. To crumble under failure. And to self-destruct over our own corruption. The fact is, this is true in my life, the fact is, is that many of us are tempted to these things and many, many, many more. And if you do not take the Word, if you do not grab it, if you do not receive the sword, the Word of God, it will eat your lunch day after day. 
we will become deflated, but we must take the sword and strike. We are well equipped. We have been given everything we need, and we must take and use it. We have His Word, and on every page it boasts promises to His, to his people. If we know, if we read and know and trust them, it will shatter the advances of wickedness in our lives. We will stand firm. It will disassemble the tactics of the tempter. It will contextualize his ability, showing us that even if the big guns are rolling our direction and they are ready to go, we together will cry with one voice Death, where is your victory? O death, Where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Christians, take the sword and strike. Hear the promises. And after looking at the means of knowing and understanding who God is through the Word, and taking hold of the promises that are given to us in the Word, our third means of attacking and Striking temptation is to look to Jesus in the Scripture. Now, if you find yourself in the scenario or the category where maybe the Bible is new to you, or maybe it feels new to you, and this idea is a bit much to think about going and taking and wielding the sword of the Spirit, then I would propose to direct you to the Word, to Jesus. In the Gospel of John, we are introduced to Jesus as this way. As one who existed before before with God, not before God. That's a big difference. We don't go there. (laughs) Scratch that from the tape, video, whatever, please. My goodness, that would be bad. Okay. He was in the beginning with God. And He Himself is God. And for us, He is the perfect image of God. We see Him and we see God. So if you for any reason struggle to know God in His character, or if you're unfamiliar with the promises He has given to you, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Look to Jesus and see one who neglected His glory to become a servant. Look to Jesus who had every right to the finest and nicest things that the world had to offer and He chose to be the least among us. Look to Jesus whom, when He had His choice whom to eat a meal with, He chose the rejects, the scorned, the nasty. Look to Jesus who stood against arrogance and conceit. Look to Jesus who came to those whom no one would touch and He grasped them, healing them of their disease. Look to Jesus who taught everything needed and endured all of those who would dismiss Him. Look to Jesus who persisted knowing that suffering was coming like a freight train and never flinched. Look to Jesus who carried a cross designed for dishonor and destruction and turned it in an overnight into a banner of victory. Look to Jesus who carried the weight of people's sin, the wrath it required and did not hesitate, but redeemed it all. 
Look to Jesus who died like all men, but like none before. He rose again, defeating sin. Look to Jesus who has redeemed His people and sent us into the world to gather the harvest. Look to Jesus who has been given all authority and power and yet has, has promised us never to leave us. Look to Jesus who leads His people and will not forget them. Look to Jesus who will return for us, who will wipe away every tear and will be our light forever. If you are struggling with the character of God, look to Jesus. Because He Himself is the perfect image of God. And all that is true of Him is true of Christ. If you are weak with the promises of God, look to Jesus in which every promise of God finds its yes and amen. There is not one that is not perfectly completed and satisfied in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we may have limitations in our understanding of what God is like and what He has done or the breadth of the promises for us, but we can all, all of us can look to Jesus our Lord and we can see all those things perfectly displayed. So, when temptation will nip at your heel, look to Jesus and know the goodness and love of God and strike. When sorrow feels too much to bear, Look to Jesus and know the presence of God and His care for you in trial and strike. When you are certain you are unworthy of His love and kindness, look to Jesus who made a career of bringing unworthy, unwanted, undeserving men and women into His family and strike. When your sins enclose around you, look to Jesus who has guaranteed they are forgiven and never Ever will they be held against you and strike. If you have not figured it out already, the secret to the sword of the Spirit is that we have a mighty, mighty tool against temptation and attack. And when you read your Bible, you'll see it's always been this way. In the garden... The serpent attacked what the Lord said. In Deuteronomy, Moses charged the people, don't forget, remember, and choose the right. Avoid death. In the Psalms, the righteous, the righteous ones are ones who are shown to love the law of the Lord. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, He fought with the Word. And He overcame the devil. And when Jesus returns, it will be with His Word that He strikes down all of His enemies. We have a Bible. We have a Bible. And many of us take it for granted because we have 10, 20, 30 of them sitting on the shelves or all over the house or in the back of the car right next to the old French fries under the seat. I'm talking about myself. And we take it for granted. Brothers and sisters, it, this is the documentation of His promises to us. It is the testimony of God's character consistent through all time. He is the same. 
He is the same today as He was at the moment He spoke all things into existence. And He is the same He will be when we see Him in glory. He does not change. And this is also the testimony of the risen Lord who walked with men and women just like you and I. And He suffered just like you and I. And He did not sin. In this testimony, we literally see Jesus with our own eyes. Don't take it for granted. It's much more than a book. It's a sword. And you can find confidence in it in battle. Protection when attacked. And comfort in times of trouble. Center church, we must not be just holders of our Bible. We must not be just holders of our Bibles. We must be readers, hearers, and doers of the Word. We have not been dropped into the battlefield empty-handed or with empty rifles. We have been given a very effective sword. It's no pea shooter, folks. It is the Word of God. Center church, take the sword and strike. Pray with me. God, we thank You so much that You have given us countless examples, Lord, to look and to know who You are and what You have done and to see it in Jesus and to see it in Your promises, Lord. And I pray that we would be a people this morning We don't need help seeing our sorrow. We don't need help seeing the trouble that's in front of us, the trouble that we think may be coming in front of us that's in our peripheral. We don't need help seeing those things. We need help seeing You. So I pray that we would realize that we tend to be like folks who would ask You to write in the sky, and instead we would go to Your Word which You have given to us and we would read or we would listen, or we would talk about. Lord, I pray that You would stir in us a desire to know who You are and what You have promised us and how all of those things are shown perfectly in the Son. Help us, Lord, as we, being so aware of our weaknesses, being so aware of the troubles that come our way, that we would also be experts in understanding what you are like and how those things don't phase you and how we have ample opportunity to learn about you but more so to trust you and to cling to you so lord i pray like zach did that no matter our situation no matter if we are needing more to grow, we need to grow more, or if we feel like we have been growing, that we would ask for more, Jesus. Be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen.